Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Robbie Straczynski, and thanks so much for joining me on episode number 50 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. Today's guest is not only the founder of, but also a very deserving member of the Women in Poker Hall of Fame. She is one of the game's greatest advocates for women in poker, having founded the Lips Tour, which is the Ladies International Poker Series, and the Women's Poker Association, over which she presides. She has founded and is the CEO of the Senior Poker Tour, which hosts events across the United States for players 50 years old and older. And finally, she's also a tremendous philanthropist whose involvement as the president of Vegas Connected and Poker Gives has provided for those in need around the Las Vegas area. Lupe Soto, welcome to the Cards Chat Podcast. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Welcome (laughs) and hello to everybody in Cards Chat. It's good to see you again, Lupe. How's everything going for you? Things are going good. Um, you know, poker's starting to really pick up and uh, people are starting to have conversations again, really ready to start opening up series and things like that. And we all know that poker's booming in some areas of the country. So I'm just excited to start start getting back to business. <laughs> Love it. A woman after my own heart. And I'm sure a lot of, uh, a lot of us at uh, the Cards Chat uh, in the forums uh, would agree with that. Um, Lupe, you're just associated with so many organizations. We'll tackle them one by one. And, you know, not just associated, you founded them. You literally started it. Um, for, well, well, just to give everyone an idea, I sort of kind of feel also, just before we you know get into all the prepared questions, you know, for everything you've done, and you've done so much for our game, for women in poker, you've flown under the radar in a way. And I feel like it's so important to give you the very well-deserved, well-earned exposure of everything. You know, it's the kind of thing when I discovered what it is that you do, oh my God, you did that? You did that? Like you've done so much. So first of all, thank you for everything you've done. And, you know, everyone who's listening, who's watching, you're in for a real treat over the next hour. So um, we're going to start with how did you first get into the game and what led you to become such a strong advocate for women in poker specifically? Well, um, I apologize for the dog. <laughs> I am in my home office. Yeah. Um, so the very, very beginnings for me was being, and this is something that I, I want everybody to understand. That girl that is sitting behind the boy who's seated at the table. I was that girl. I used to go with my boyfriend at the time and I would watch him play poker and it was kind of our date night. And we would sit there for several hours playing uh, at the time it was midnight, uh, mid nineties and it was stud. There wasn't really a whole lot of Texas Hold'em being played. So I learned the game by really watching him play and watching the other players. So I became kind of interested. Um, I didn't realize just how much strategy was involved, which really excited me. And it got to the point after about four or five months of sitting there watching him that I started critiquing his play. Oh, wow. He didn't really like that too much. (laughs) So he invited me to go get my own seat at a table. Okay. There you go. There you go. And so that was the beginning of my journey. And this was in Southern California and San Diego area. And literally, there were maybe three, four women in that entire poker room, uh, other than employees. Um, But the good news is, is that I was very social as by nature. And so uh, the employees all know who I was. I got to meet a lot of the members, learned about the staff. I asked a lot of questions just because I'm nosy by nature too. And uh, so I learned a lot about the game on the back end, you know, mm-hmm. what they were doing, what their jobs were and all that kind of stuff. So um, it just interested me. And then of course, poker, the game itself is massive. You know, sure. it's like chess, you know, you learn how to play the game, but then you you study it and it takes forever to master it. And I don't know if for many of us, we never do, <laughs> but um, that was my very, very beginnings. Mm-hmm. And and advocating for women in poker specifically, I, I mentioned that you founded LIPS, obviously, Ladies International Poker Series, but you had done plenty of advocacy for women in poker before that, sort of like the precursors in a way. You want to talk about that a little bit? Right. Well, our precursor literally is that um, because 
online poker was just beginning in the internet around the late 90s. Uh, and I had become obsessed with the internet. There were really not a whole lot of things for people to do. It was the beginning of websites and, and all those kinds of things. And I had already been a member of the, the chat box stuff that was kind of like boards, um, rec poker. Yeah, sure. uh, and recreational. They had all the different boards that you could talk, and that's that was my first exposure. And through Rec Poker, I learned that they were doing online poker platforms, and um, and through that, I got invited to grow, join a group that was on MSN. Remember MSN groups? <laughs> <laughs> wow! And it was called Victory Poker Players. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And um, there was about oh, I don't know about fifty people that that were interested in poker. And they were playing together on a bunch of different online platforms, the very, very beginning ones like Planet Poker and sure. you know, Paradise Poker and all these different poker places. Um, so it was very, very um, interesting to me. And we would take our little group. Well, that whole journey wound up leading us to developing that group. And it was uh, just a community uh-huh. of poker players. And we got an opportunity to um, open our own platform on the Doyle Brunson Network because we grew our little group to like 20,000 players. And um, I was in administration of that. And then we, we actually formed a company and I was a partner in that. And because I knew the internet, I right, had stuck, right. you know, I had spent so much time uh, learning about how to do websites and graphics and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there, the cool thing was that we had a program and it was a battle of the sexes kind of a thing. Sure. Once a month, there was a ladies tournament and once a month, there was a men's tournament. And then at the end of the year, we did a tournament of champ- champions between them. And so we just really enjoyed the camaraderie that went around in this ladies tournament. It was not like our old regular, even this is online, but there was a lot of chat going on and stuff. Right. So we just had a ball. Um, and then um, I was fortunate that I lived in San Diego area and that's where the California state ladies poker championship was founded okay. at oceans 11 casino. So I joined that. And when I went to my very first live you know, tournament and for all women, it was phenomenal that they had food set out for you. They had tournaments, they had gifts, they had fashion shows and shopping and all these fantastic things. And I was like, this rocks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like this is phenomenal. Sounds pretty so awesome. I started sharing that with other women who were doing things um, that, that I knew that were playing. So Went, went back to my group and I said, oh, my gosh, this is phenomenal. We need to do this. And, th- and at the same time, there was a whole discussion about how, you know, poker isn't gender specific and that we uh, really shouldn't be, you know, separating the genders to be able to do poker and that kind of stuff. And um, but yet I had just gone to this phenomenal event for women in in uh, at Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. So as a company there was a decision to stop the gender uh, separation events. So I said, y'all, I'm going to open my own. Okay, (laughs) there you go. (laughs) Yeah, so we went ahead and opened Poker Chicks, Poker Chicks with an X. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was just, uh, that was the first online forum for women who played poker. And we grew that to several thousand members. And, And then when I really started to learn about the live events and then the support of people who were uh, in in Southern California uh, that were interested in. And I was fortunate because ladies events just didn't happen. Right. They had a ladies event at the World Series of Poker. And that was like an afterthought because they wanted the guys to come. They said, well, while the while the women are there with their husbands, we'll do this little tournament, Mm -hmm. whatever. But anyway, so that's how the ladies event um, started with the World Series. But. Poker chicks, I said, if we can do poker chicks with all these women and duplicate what they do at Ocean's Eleven across the country for women to be able to come and enjoy this and whatever, that was the beginning of the Lips Tour. This is 2004, right? 
That was in 2004. Yeah. And so the, the World Poker Tour Summit had just happened for all of those people that, that were signed up to be, you know, founding uh, locations for the World Poker Tour. Ah, and so, the, the famous yeah. meeting. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and the, the bicycle casino um, was part of that. And uh, the gal from the marketing department of the of the um, the bicycle casino had just recently, like within that week, had just come off that summit. And she says, I really like what you're doing. I'm going to call these people and see. And just uh, she goes, I'm just not going to I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to tell them that your name, this is your name. This is what you're doing. And I feel like they need to listen. And so from that call gave me an open door to start calling other places and uh, people were willing to give it a try. And that was, you know, was 17 years later. Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. still Phenomenal. doing it. Phenomenal. You know, it's yeah. funny because we do take in a way we take this stuff for granted. Yes, this tournament's going to have a ladies event and there's lips and there's a lot of this stuff. And, you know, sure, it's a relatively, you know, compared to the percentage of men, it's still very few. But the fact that that exists, right. that did have to come from somewhere. And it's folks like you, Lupe, who have, you know, very much been trailblazers and, and brought so many women into the game. It's very interesting um, you know, I, I kind of ask, you know, like you said, 17 years of, of just, you know, continued success and just appreciation for what it is that, that you, that you do. And obviously continuing to bring women to the felt, what goals did you originally have with lips? And do you feel that you've met or perhaps even exceeded them over these 17 years? Well, it's a, it's an interesting question because Yes, we have been successful in the conversations that it starts, which actually opens up the uh, the possibilities for other entities and and operators to offer a ladies' event at their locations. Which that part is great, um, and the the lips tour in itself just having a brand for women in the industry that has been around so long, yeah. even if, if uh, even the men know the lips tour, you know, yeah. <laughs> that, that part is a great thing. And um, it, it, it has met many goals. The, the, the conversation to get started for a never ending presence in the industry as a whole, so that we are constantly reminding the industry that it is important that they continue to support the women who want to play the game. Right. So that part, in my opinion, is successful. Uh, we don't have as near as many events a year that we used to. We used mm. to have 24 events a year, 27 wow. events, 30 events all across the country. I was never home. <laughs> and, um, and it was like, okay, so we had to kind of like change. Mm -hmm. I knew that the, the tour itself, although it's, it's fun and I love it and I, and I enjoy the travel and all that kind of stuff. I really wanted to make it more solidified and not be about a proprietary business. It uh -huh. needed to be a conversation about women who play globally. And that's where the women's poker association had to be developed and uh, established. So that was uh, really five years in the development before it ever hit the, the streets of, of the world. Um, and so now the focus and my energies are really about, I guess, almost passing the, the baton to the younger generation, because, you know, <laughs> 17 years later, plus, you know, more and more years, I've been in the industry for over 20 years now. Mm -hmm. And um it's time. There's a whole new generation of players that are out there. And so the Women's Poker Association needed to be a nonprofit. Yep. It needed to be for all women who play. Um, and that's that's it's driven by the women who play and um, everybody's a volunteer. Yep. Nobody gets paid, yep. you know. Um, so now we have an entity with the Women's Poker Association that can act as a voice and an advocacy and an empowerment of all the women who play. It also provides uh, support to operators to teach them, you know, uh, that this segment of, of players is critically important to the growth of poker because we're the untapped market. We, um, there are some barriers that exist 
in our industry. And we focused on those and we wanted to eliminate those as much as possible. And so um, that's kind of the mission of Women's Poker Association is to bring more players, you know, mainly women sure. to the game and to sustain it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny, you actually predicted what my next question is. So I'll do here because I'm going to say how, but you already said the how. I'll just read uh, officially and you know, according to the WA, WPA website, uh, the organization promotes, develops, and professionalizes the advancement of women in poker by heightening the exposure of current women players while encouraging and developing new ones. And let me say, you know, at least from what I see, I kind of, you know, monitor, have my pulse on the scene. You guys certainly do it well. Uh, so more power to you and uh, certainly very proud supporter, ally of, of that organization, the WPA. Um, I do want to just, you know, one last thing about lips though, before we move on to the next thing, but you did have your ladies poker week, uh, recently in June, uh, there was a series of tournaments at several, uh, Vegas properties. Uh, one event, uh, was at the Venetian, a $500 buying event that was won by Ashley Sleeth. Uh, got to give the shout out, uh, fiance of Jesse Sylvia, who was our guest on episode number 47. Um, why don't you just go oh. ahead and... Yeah, right? It's cool. <laughs> we try to get a lot of folks on this show. Um, why don't you yeah. tell us a little bit about that week and, you know, the planning of it? And obviously, a little live poker came back. And this is one of the first, you know, kind of big series that was happening. Um, and you had events, again, all over the city. So what was that like? And, and how did it go? Well, um, Ladies Poker Week has been tradition for many years now. And the 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 way the poker industry is right now with COVID and, you know, the emergence of, of people coming in and there not being a World Series, um, I felt like it was important to touch and and to actually partner and highlight the operators that were still strong in the game and, you know, say, listen, OK, we're going to we're going to have something for you every day for an entire week. And women poker players came in droves and they supported this. And that basically tells the industry, it doesn't necessarily need to be the world series of poker that brings women in. Right. It can be just an event series that's for women. And, mm. you know, we were, we, there were some operators who weren't prepared yet to, to be fully tournament ready. Um, but they definitely were interested uh, and, you know, I, the, the week of ladies poker week is usually a hop around, you know, we, um, we work with all the people who are supporting that summer series. Uh, and it, it was great. <laughs> we were able to do it, do it and pull it off and, and have success. And the women who came had a blast. Um, you know, there was something for everybody. We had some mixed games and we had, um, you know, we had a horse tournament and an Omaha tournament that were very small. And the reason I'm highlighting that is because most exposure is around Hold'em. Sure. Our, sure. my personal goal, because I am a mixed game player. I almost never, the only time I play Hold'em is when it's the agent horse. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, I want women to know all the other games. And I believe that women who play poker have the are I it's how do I put this without sounding sexist and I don't mean to I just think that women have a brain function that literally allows them to be multitaskers and multitasking thoughts are what you need mm. to play mixed games yep uh, and so I just think they would be really good players in mixed games uh, so my mission has kind of changed a little bit and it's to teach women all the other games. And, and I'm, I'm one of the freaky kind of mixed game players. I mean, we play all the, the Badesis, the Badusis, the, the, you know, whatever. You can drama haws and <laughs> all that stuff. But my yeah. first goal is just to teach them Omaha and the games of horse. 
Beautiful. Yeah, like I, you know, like I said, peas in the pot. I'm very, very much uh, in the similar vein. Very pro mixed games. As a matter of fact, uh, episode before you, number forty nine, we had Dylan Lindy mastering mixed games. He wrote the book on it, literally. Uh, so we're we're very into that stuff here. And uh, you know, poker is not just Texas Hold'em. There's so many different variants to play, and I'm uh, I'm very into that as as well. Um, but you know, obviously, you know, you have a unique perspective. You're not just currently involved in you know promoting to him, and you've also, you, you've been there, done that for many years. I'm wondering if perhaps you can give a little bit of perspective. How have you seen the growth of poker for women over these last 20 years? And is there perhaps a slightly different message that we need to be sending or promoting now as opposed to 10 or 20 years ago? Well, I think, I think before 20 years ago, it still was not as supported to have a woman enter into the game. Mm -hmm. It wasn't supported by uh, culturally, mm -hmm. for sure. Um, but even, even in poker rooms, there was no real conversations around, you know, if a woman comes in and there's issues at the table, what do we do? You know, I mean, those those conversations were just beginning to happen wow. and they weren't really encouraged. Um, I've had operators really, I don't want to dismiss the ideas. You know, it's like, look, we're never going to have women here. We're, we, wow. Yeah, we'll get the occasion girl, but we're just not going to have that. And our focus is really around the, the young gun guys. Mm -hmm. We would rather spend our, our money and our promotional dollars and our recruitment dollars around that particular demographic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it, it was just very disheartening, you know, yeah, even hearing um, it just makes I, my heart sink. Exactly. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm, you I'm know, sad. and it, and even all the advertising was geared for young, young men, you know, all that kind of thing. So um, I think 20 years later, it's not okay to have that kind of advertising. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's like there's a, a better respect for women. Um, there are more industry leaders that are women. Um, yeah, there sure. are sure. a definite, even, and you know, it, it kind of makes me sad that we are still continuing the, in the majors to be a 4%, you know, right around 4% of the, of the players at that level are women. But you know what? Years that if you count how many players that is, that's huge. Yeah, <laughs> you that's know, true too. It, that's true. It's too. huge. If we're four percent of you know ten thousand players, that's a lot of players. Yeah. Well, so well, um, what I can tell you one thing: I'm very proud here on the Cards Chat podcast. I don't know exactly off the top of my head, but this is episode number fifty. I'm pretty certain we're close to twenty percent. I'm pretty sure that. We've had ten women out of the out of the fifty guests, uh, so that's better than five percent. We're we're doing what we can. <laughs> it's good stuff, and that's really great. Um, you know, and I think that that there needs to be, do you know, this last the Venetian was exciting for us. The we call it the five hundred dollar event is like our Cadillac chip for a buy in. So. Um, you know, it, it has a lot of prestige. It's it's really the women who buy into that event are women who are serious about the game. Yeah. You know, they've been playing a while. Um, and for the people who are just, uh, that might even be their first real big buy-in for right. a tournament. You know, so it we really encourage that level because it just it just prepares them for another level, you know, buying into a thousand dollar event in uh, during the world series Absolutely. or maybe a 1500 and, you know, and all those kinds of things. So it, it's like a stepladder. And um, we find that even though there are so many offerings, uh, you know, there's $600 buy-ins, thousand dollar buy-ins every day of the week during yeah. the summer mm -hmm. here in Las Vegas, that, even the women who do not play the lower buy-ins at all, they will support. Almost, well, makes me grin ear to ear to see it because these kinds of women who are really what I would consider professional women sure. who are actually in the circuits and doing that and buying, you know, it's, it's 
normal for them to be at a 500 or a thousand or a 1500 or whatever buy-in, but they still support the women who are uh, at, at the, the intermediate level, you know? And and so the Venetian event is very important, but the main event of the Venetian had three women at the final table. Yeah. I remember for the WPT for me, that spoke volumes, volumes, the, the, the focus now granted it was a WPT final table. So there's a right. lot of already media attention around it, but for half of the players to be women has never happened before. Maybe one on an occasional, you know, year we'll have at a final table, but right. to have three at one. It's a good thing. Are there <laughs> any other, any other shout outs to, you know, we've mentioned the Venetian, of course, perhaps other, you know, venues that you partnered with that are, you know, certainly on board, have the right messaging or, you know, any, you know, tournament directors or something like that, who you want to sort of, you know, highlight as, hey, they've done the right thing. Cause I do, I do think it's important to, you know, um, you know, give the, give the good handshake and, and show that sort of, you know, mutual support. You know, I, I do. And we are so blessed because there are so many that have understood the mission all along. And, and I, but it doesn't discount those that aren't involved. And I'll tell you why. Because if you are on the industry side of poker, you understand, especially if you are in a casino that is not a poker room. Does that make sense? If you're in a casino where there's slot machines and all this other stuff, it is already difficult for those uh, those guys to do anything in poker because they have so many corporate things that they have to jump through all these hoops sure. before they can get something new on board. Yeah. And um, it's kind of difficult for them to go to them and say, you know, we really want to support this, this program right here for women to come into the game and blah, 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 and all that kind of thing and get the support from the, the t- upper management. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't discount those guys because at least they'll go to bat for us. I Even love if that we're you said down, that. I love that you said that. Yeah. People don't realize, you know, like, you know, as an event organizer, you know exactly what it takes. And there are so many levels and, and hoops to jump through. You know, good on you. That's important. And I, 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 for, I myself forgot it. So, yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. Yeah, but we have phenomenal relationships. You know, um, if you just go across the country, we have relationships on the East Coast with um, like Best Bet in Jacksonville, the Seminole Hard Rock people. Um, we just we have a great group that's up in little tiny New Hampshire. There are a card room up there. You know, we've done things in the Borgata. We've done things um Gosh, it's well, I'm I'm, I'm going to get in trouble because I'm going to miss people. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, and then in, in you start moving over, and we've had great support in Mississippi. You know, um, kind of those mid states mm-hmm. is more difficult. I don't know what it is, but the conversations I've been having them annually, and we still have had very little success in the mid states. Uh, if we do get a one-off one year, sometimes it doesn't come back Mm -hmm. and it's because they have a, um, a finite number of tables Uh and the regulatory problems that they have in some of those mid states Hmm. that it's, it's not valuable for the the bottom line, you know? And so we understand it. We understand it, but it's still, we still pound on the doors and we're still trying to do things. Um, and there's other ways to, to activate uh, a program for women in, in a poker room that doesn't require it being a women's tournament. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're working with them on that. Um, let's see. So Tunica, Mississippi, we've got the horseshoe and it used to be the gold strike together, but now, you know, the gold strike's gone, but the horseshoe is still supported and supportive um let's see gosh texas is we've we've worked with texas card house and um uh well let's see post oak is gone now but uh what's the other one i'm sorry free rolls poker out there but texas is kind of crazy because there's a yes. card room on every corner it's now, brand new, now yeah. um, <laughs> it's kind of huge and, about, and, about and no gaming commission 
It's right. like, you want to do that? Sure. <laughs> the wild west in Texas. Anywhere yeah, in California? Really you is. mentioned uh, the bike. Right? California, we have the bicycle casino. We've done commerce. We've done um, uh, Hawaiian Gardens. Well, they're not they're the, gardens. the gardens. The gardens. It'll always be Hawaiian Gardens to me because that's where I'm from is out that way. Um, you know, uh, let's see, Ocean's Eleven, of course. They were, they were originators. We've worked with, in Minnesota, we've worked with... Um, Aces, running and, aces, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just uh, you know the, the reason I, I asked you. The reason yeah. I asked you to to give those shout outs is, folks, if you're listening, if you're watching, these are the places you should be playing. These are the places yeah. you should be patronizing, saying, yeah, and whether you're men or women, like they're they're on the right track, and that's that's I think it's yeah. just so important to, to give them that. And I and I'll be in trouble if I don't mention Vegas. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so go for know, it. You know, our own state of Nevada. I mean, with Pepper Mill has been phenomenal over the years. Um, you know, up in Reno and down here in in Vegas, we're you know we partnered with the Aria, with South Point Casino, with you know Golden Nugget, um, Venetian, uh, Orleans. Oh gosh, Caesar's, Valley, you had something Caesar's, also. Recently. Yeah, sure. You know, um, Sahara. I mean, wow. Really, the the they get it here. Wonderful. And so they've been very, very supportive, um, both MGM properties, Caesar, you know, Caesars properties and the independents of all. They said, yeah, let's do what we can do, you know. So I, I'm just very, very appreciative of, of our own. I think, you know, Nevada is the, the poker leader when it Excellent. comes to trying new things. Excellent. Before we get into the philanthropic endeavors that you're uh, obviously very involved in as well. One more question about the, um, as far as like ladies and advocacy. There are some okay. folks, you know, both men and women who also, who, who, who they sometimes suggest, you know what, I don't know if more ladies events is necessarily what the poker community needs. Maybe we should focus a little bit more on just doing a better job of making women feel more comfortable and included in the poker room. And that's, you know, a justifiable standpoint as well. What kinds of things can you suggest to make poker more inviting to women? Because I think perhaps it's both, you know, like, you know, that both both approaches are fine. But beyond the ladies events, what other sorts of stuff would you sort of recommend as far as both the players as well as those managing the rooms? Well, there's a couple of things, Um, you know, the Women's Poker Association's mission is to create an environment where we eliminate the barriers for women to play. Mm -hmm. Right. And for us, the and we actually are publishing, I believe this week, a survey of almost 500 players about their poker play. And some of it is about, it was uh, responses from women who play, people who are brand new, people who don't play and why they don't play. Um, and, and it's a real nice snapshot as to what needs to happen in the industry for us to grow the industry for women who play or want to play or even to invite them into play. Mm-hmm. The very first barrier is that we need to stop the abuse at the tables. This is a this isn't church for sure, but it is definitely a game where we can light the fires of people's emotions for all kinds of reasons, mm-hmm. bad beats, people not playing right, people being smelly, people, whatever it is, you know, at a table. It has a lot of triggers for emotion. Sure. Um, sure. The problem is when people don't check their emotions and don't behave well at the table because any experience that a person has, I mean, if, even if you take away the game, let's not talk about poker per se, if you go to the UPS store and you're going to go there to mail a package and your experience there is less than stellar, your idea of going back to that store again, is probably not going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to choose not to engage again. The same thing happens at a poker table. If you're at a poker table and your experience isn't good, the likelihood of you either returning to that card room or to play with those players or any of those things, those factors might be a consideration for you to return. So if we want our game to thrive, we are, uh, we've developed a, an entire social movement around this very factor. It's called the raise it up movement. We're asking poker players to commit to raise up the respect, raise up the fun 
So if we do those two things, we'll raise the growth of the people who want to play the game. And it's a very simple, you know, hashtag raise it up. It's a reminder to players. We have patches and, you know, that kind of thing. We're currently um, recruiting poker rooms around the world to adopt the raise it up program. And we will certify them if they agree to adopt the social media or the social movement Mm -hmm. to uh, tolerate a, it's a zero tolerance of abuse policy, number one, that they Mm -hmm. adopt the raise it up thing. And also that they have in-servicing with their staff in-house for them to learn how to diffuse, you know, potential situations, uh, policies in place as to what they do in-house when there is a situation do they do they eliminate a player do they give them a timeout do they eat 86 them whatever it is you know but they have to have those policies in place the second thing that we are we're asking people to do and this comes to our fellas is we believe that there is a tremendous amount of men who support women in the game even if they have only one or two or maybe they have a sister or a mother or you know a friend that plays the game, they support them. They want, they encourage them over the years. And this, this starts back from the beginnings of lips. I would have an event and the men would come up to me and say, wow, this is really great. And you know what? My, I real I brought my, my girlfriend or I brought my, you know, sister or whatever to play in your event, because I really want her to see why I enjoy this sport. And they would ask me, what can I do mm-hmm. to support the women who play. And I was struggling with that. I didn't know. I didn't, I could not come up with a concept that would really identify a man who supports women in poker. Fast forward to current times, the women's poker association. And you know, this is where I really believe that it takes a tribe. It takes a nation. It takes all that kind of thing. One person might have a concept or an idea Yes, I knew that the Women's Poker Association needed to be a vital entity in order for women to grow in the game. But it was because of all the women who believed the same thing that came together that were able to develop these wonderful programs. And the one program that we came up with is called, um, well, first of all, let me preface this. Women's Poker Association has a color. It's purple. And it's all, you know, our our W in the WPA is purple and our gear is purple. And it's just an identifiable color, right? Um, It also means royalty. Purple is the color of royalty. So we're a bunch of queens. (laughs) So um, we wanted to use that portion in our concept for the men who support women. So the other thing is that when you think about men and if there's a symbol that identifies a man, there's not a whole lot of them, but one of them is that men wear neckties. And if you see a necktie, you think of a man. Yep. So we came up with the concept of the purple tie guy. And basically it's just another snapshot way that somebody, just like if you are a Yankees fan and you go to the table and you're wearing a Yankees hat, I know what you support. I know that you like the Yankees. Yeah. We have come up with the purple tie guy. It's a, a little patch that a guy can wear. He can sign up to be a purple tie guy. We can have events for the guys who support our purple tie guy campaign. And for a woman or even for other men, if a guy's wearing a purple tie guy pin or a patch or something like that, we immediately know that guy right there supports women in poker. Yep. And usually I believe that when people know better, they do better. And when they mm. represent either the Raise It Up program or Purple Tie Guy, they know that they need to behave a little bit better because they are have committed to support these two things. Yep. So if we can blanket the whole industry and if the if if entities will start adopting these things, you know, it, they're, they're, it's it's a very tiny effort for a very big message. Yeah. So if yeah. you know, yeah, wear the patch. It, you know, when you, everybody has their favorite poker hat or their 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 poker backpack or their poker jacket, they slap on all the things that, you know, they visit with. Um, just add ours, you know, right. so raise it up patch and commit to that and be a purple tie guy if you're a guy in the industry and, and, and show women that you support them and that you want them to be there. 
Right. Well, Lupe, of course, you know you're talking to one. Uh, and uh, I folks. know! Robbie's <laughs> one of our very first Purple Tie guys. Yay! <laughs> very proud to be one. Um, okay, moving into the wonderful charity work that you do. Um, another tremendous aspect of, of your work uh, in the industry over the years uh, has been with a charitable organization called Vegas Connected, and more specifically related to poker, Poker Gives. Uh, Poker Gives was originally founded by the late Mike Sexton, uh, Linda Johnson, Jan Fisher, and Lisa Tenner, and you now sort of preside uh, over that organization. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, Poker, uh, sorry, Vegas Connected, Poker Gives, what they do, and your activity uh, within the organization. Well, Poker Gives, in specifically, when it was first founded, they were hosting, you know, different types of poker events and raising money for the charities that were specific to their hearts. Um, they all picked one and, you know, uh, like Mike's was Wounded Warriors, you know, and, uh, um, you know, it was like, like the Special Olympics, you know, stuff like that. And of course, poker players are some of the most generous people on the planet. Mm -hmm. And people, as far as... Um, Philanthropy goes, we have a ton of poker players who are more than willing to either lend their funds from their winnings or just their names, you know, if they've had success to be able to uh, continue support, you know, in charitable work. So um, Ben, Mike and Linda and Lisa, they all kind of wanted to retire. They got to that point, you know, and it's like, you know, we really, we really, and, and we had already had our own charity. Uh, the Vegas Connected Charity. We were already doing a lot of work, mm -hmm. that kind mm -hmm. of uh, thing here in in Las Vegas. Yeah. And yeah. so they came to me and they and because I had helped them originally get the poker gives started. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so they said, you know, we really would like to have you take it over you know, do it. And, and I, we agreed that that would be phenomenal, um, you know, just as a perfect blend for what we do already yeah, in the charitable work and then being in the poker industry myself. So, um, and that is my background. My background is actually in, I'm a therapist and I was a social service administrator, a social service administrator for years before I quit all that to become a poker degenerate. <laughs> but but um, so anyway, Linda and uh, Jan and them, they said, hey, will you take it over? I said, sure. But we had to change it because it, that model didn't fit it because we were actually a direct services charity. Mm. We actually provided okay. services. So what we did is we took the Poker Gives moniker and just said, you know what? We're going to continue the fundraising through the poker world, um, you know, through people when they have, if they have a success, we ask them for a percentage, you know, a half a percent or whatever to be dedicated to, to the work um, and through charity tournaments. Um, and we do, we continue work, but our work is direct services. And the other thing that's very, very important for you to know Again, our nonprofit is completely volunteer-based. Nobody gets paid. So everybody who's doing something is doing it out of their goodness of their heart. Um, we have a phenomenal uh, executive director, Barbara jones and Garl. She is um, a tournament director at the Orleans and was uh, uh, at the Aria for years and years, too. Um, she started off as a dealer, and now she's a, and this is a floor person. Now she's a tournament uh, supervisor. And um, Barbara feeds the homeless. She, we were already doing things separately. And Barbara and I had a conversation. I said, Barb, you're, you're doing what we're doing. And she goes, yeah, I know. And I said, well, how would you like to be our executive director? And she goes, well, I would only do that, you know, if your organization, you know, doesn't make a lot of money in your administration and all this stuff. And I said, well, yeah, I hit the nail on the head because <laughs> nobody gets paid. <laughs> Absolutely. So we wound up uh, joining our efforts. We were doing hard goods uh, primarily for the homeless, you know, things like uh, clothing and, and, and toiletries, you know, to support good health, as, as you know, people who are very dirty out there. Sure. Don't get a lot of support, even sure. if you're getting for a handout or whatever. Sure. So um, there was that. And then 
Uh, and we also were doing youth services. We support back to school. We have a very significant Title I um, school population here in Las Vegas. Uh, and so we were supporting those, those students with backpacks and uh, school supplies and that kind of stuff. We're doing drives and parties and that kind of thing, get the kids um, the supplies that they needed. Uh, and, and then we work with the, we have a very large Air Force base here in Las Vegas, um, Nellis Air Force Base. And when they receive, there's an assistance program there. And when they have a family that they can't meet the needs of, depending on whatever, you know, it, 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 either they don't have budget for it or it's just a very odd request that they don't have a program that fits, then they refer that family to us and they tell us what their needs are and we set out to do that. Now, um, it has used to be very, very active, that our little program there. And since COVID hit, I don't, there, it's like nothing. The wow. base and the, the military are taking care of their own. And that's a beautiful thing. And I'd rather have no social service needs. Of course. Right? Right. Because right. that, that means that things are getting taken care of. That would be. But our focus be. has, yeah, our focus has changed a lot since COVID. Uh, because when everything got shut down, we went to go do our distribution, which we were doing on Monday nights um, at a, in a dirt lot. It's where a lot of homeless are. When we got there and they hadn't eaten in three days. Okay. And we're like, well, what's going on? Well, there's no, nothing's open. So they couldn't panhandle on corners. Everybody's locked in their houses. You, you had to only go to a drive up if you wanted to go get you know, some hot food. They didn't let you into the restaurants. You know, it was just, they had nothing. So our, our the last, uh, since March, a year ago, we have been serving the homeless food. So we set up every Monday night. We served in two different locations, about 250 people, uh, full on hot meals. And we have volunteers galore cooking like crazy on Mondays. And then another set of volunteers that actually go and set up and do the serving and then pack it all up and go to the next location wow. and they serve again. You know, so um, it's 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 a lot of work, oh but God, it is sure. a labor of love. And, you know, here in Las Vegas, if you've ever been in Las Vegas, we're an oasis. There is a city of Las Vegas and then there's desert for miles yeah. and miles. The next real town is like an hour and a half away. So if you're homeless, you're stuck here. Yeah, you, you can't go anywhere, you know, and we're a very uh toxic environment as far as heat extreme heat and sure. extreme cold yeah. you know so um they they have a lot of needs and and during this last bad heat wave we've lost lots of homeless people it was like daily several people you know found that didn't make it so you know our goal is to, to serve those that that we are tasked to help Obviously, you do such an incredible job. And as you mentioned, it's all completely voluntary work, which also means the overhead is basically kept to an absolute minimum of whatever oh, yeah. it is. Um, you know, basically every dollar that's sent the way we don't even pay for gifts. Yeah, the gas, you and you go drive, you're paying your own gas. <laughs> right. I mean, literally yeah, every, every dollar set to poker gifts goes well. to help those in need. Uh, how can you know, how can people help if they want to support this sort of a you know, incredible work that you do. What uh, What's the, you know, the details, the addresses and how to contact you guys? Well, there's a couple of ways. You can go to pokergives.org and there's a donate button on there and you can choose if you want to do a one-time donation, a recurring donation, or even if you have some success in a tournament that you're playing in or a good cash game session and you, you know, find it in your heart to pass a little to those that, that really could use your help. We appreciate that. Um, Barb is always at the, you know, six, six, five or six days a week, she's at the Orleans. So if you see her at this, as the turns are and you want to drop her a, you know, a red bird, we'll take it, you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever is going on. Um, she's so funny. Cause I'll tell her, Hey, a donation came over here and, da, 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 da. and she goes, Oh, I got to tell you, I've got like, you know, a pocket full of chips here. I need to deposit too. That's beautiful. I love, I love that. Really great. That's the true yeah. integration of, of poker into it as well. Um, Lupe, I want to make oh, sure we have, Oh yeah, go ahead. And one more thing, the beautiful thing, you know, Mike's, we lost Mike Sexton um, last year and uh, that was 
a significant impact in the poker industry for many, many reasons. But for Poker Gives and for us specifically, you know, he was always a voice for us. Um, and the family has been very, very generous. They have allowed us to continue Mike's memory and the work that he started. So we now have the Mike Sexton Charity Poker Throwdown Tournament, oh, wow. which is a team concept. And um, it's super, it's super fun. And uh, we're going to be hosting it in October. Uh, I think it's the, the eighth here in, in Las Vegas at the South Point. It's a, like I said, it's a team competition. So you can get all your friends together and become a, a team and, or you can, your local poker room, ask them to support you guys and, you know, do your team buy-in and uh, it's all for a good cause. So, so now we have the poker throwdown available to any poker room who wants to be, it's a, it's trademarked for Mike. And so if you are interested in hosting a Mike Sexton tournament anywhere where you're at, well, we would definitely like to work with you and get that uh, arranged for you. Amazing. Absolutely beautiful. That's going to be uh, in October and to benefit Poker Gives. Again, the website is pokergives.org, right? Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I want to make sure, you know, we, we have, we're running a little bit short on time. We got to get to the community questions. But before I do, uh, I do want to, I can't not ask you at all about the Women in Poker Hall of Fame, of course, which you started and which you are uh, a member of. Um, two questions. So what inspired you to start it? And then, you know, obviously there's a little been, you know, a bit, of a, a bit of a lull since the last ceremony. When can we expect, hopefully, perhaps the next uh, induction ceremony of the new class? Okay. So um, the Women in Poker Hall of Fame really was because I, coming in uh, to the poker industry and learning about poker and who the movers and the shakers are and who were the people who were the trailblazers, you know, for what we see today, a lot of them were women. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how did that happen? You know, um, there were stories that needed to be told. And there were people who were working very, very hard for their careers to make the industry what it is today. And they needed recognition. Um, I was very fortunate to, to meet a great many of them and to learn their stories. And, you know, I said, you know, these, these and, and it wasn't about me. I mean, people say, oh, you built this Hall of Fame so you could be in it. <laughs> no. Hardly. As a matter of fact, I told them, I said, this, this entity, if it ever thrives, it has to be at least 10 years old, a decade old for me to even be considered. You know, I said, I don't even want to have that conversation. This is about women who've been there and are doing it. So, um, you know, it's there were there were some people that were very uh, well-known um, and so I started talking to some different other entity people because we didn't want to tell those people that were the actual trailblazers that they were being considered until it actually uh, was able to be viable and supported. And absolutely, the, the, the industry was very supported. You know, they were like, yeah that, yeah, that makes sense. We do need to recognize these people. And at the time, the very year that we started or that we had, we had been working on it for a year planning this whole Women in Poker Hall of Fame and, and, and what it would look like and what the criteria was and all that other stuff. And they inducted for the very first time a woman into the Poker Hall of Fame. And that was Barbara Enright. Wow. Okay. okay. And I was go. like, yes, yeah, see, we're on to something. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. So, um, but, you know, the reality is in, in all of the years of the Poker Hall of Fame, what is there, three women in the hall right now? Jennifer, yeah. Linda, and uh, and Barbara, right. and that's it. And so, who knows when will be the next, and how long it'll take for another next. So we aren't going to wait around. It's like let's start featuring these women. So that's that's where that is. And um, the criteria for uh, this is it's, it's a public nomination process, um, and then the media and the current Hall of Famers get to vote mm -hmm. on who should be inducted next, and it. It was supposed to be last year, uh, the, oh, the hall, okay. and because of COVID, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, and it's every two years, and th so this year we're going to we're going to host the Women in Poker Hall of Fame, and it's scheduled for October. Awesome! Um, during the International Women's Poker Championship Series that's being held at the South Point Casino, okay, the sixth through the eleventh. So 
we're doing some tweaking right now, but um, you know, the final numbers and the final dates and all that kind of good stuff is, is very shortly to be announced. Excellent. Looking forward to seeing it happen. I know it was, uh, I had the great privilege of being the last one where you were inducted in 2018. It was a very special, beautiful ceremony, uh, you know, beautifully arranged. It was just a, an incredibly positive vibe. Um, just very cool. If you have a chance to attend a Women Pope Hall of Fame induction ceremony, definitely a one of a kind uh, type of event. And, and I, I can't uh, I can't not give the shout out specifically to Linda because she was, a, again, a former guest, uh, past guest here on the show, episode number 39. And uh, as longtime listeners already know, you know, 50 episodes in, we like to give a shout out to the previous episodes. And uh, after listening to this one, uh, go ahead and listen to number 39, Linda's number 47, Jesse Sylvia's is so much more Cards Chat podcast content you could listen to. Um, it's time now, Lupe, are you ready? This segment of the show, we turn to our listeners, those who are watching and tuning in uh, each week to see what questions you guys wanted to ask our guests. We have a dedicated thread on the Cards Chat forums for this. So as we announce who our future guests will be, please be sure to send in your questions. We've got three great contributors this week. Crystals, thank you very much for sending in this question. Uh, Lupe, if you could wish for anything in five years from now, what would it be? I would wish that every woman who is a poker player would do one of two things. One, become a free member of the Women's Poker Association so that your voice will be counted in the industry where we're such a minority. Mm. That would be the first thing. I love it. The second thing would be that you as a woman poker player would dedicate or commit to teaching two people how to play two other women who are friends, neighbors, family, what the game is and why you like it, expose them to the game, teach them the rules, you know, encourage them to, to play with you, you know, and, and uh, maybe we can just plant some more seeds and have more women join us. I love it. Fantastic wishes. And obviously, you know, it runs very, I mean, like I said anything five years ago, you could have just said, I want to win $50 million in the mega millions or something like that. This is literally, Whatever. <laughs> I, I love it. It's uh, it's near and dear to your heart. And that's obviously the most organic way to grow it. It's, you know, word of mouth, tell other people, introduce folks into the game, men, women. And, and I just, I love, I love that answer. It's fantastic. And thank you, Crystals, for that great question. Uh, Acid Burn FX, thank you very much for this great question. Uh, Lupe, what is something that no one else knows about you? Oh, boy. <laughs> How about if I say it and then I don't tell it? Like That's fair. Okay, sure. That's fine. Like the category of what this is or something like that. I've been in jail in three countries. <laughs> Oh, boy. Okay, we will leave it at that. But that is certainly a very, very fascinating answer. Maybe once we're off the air, I'll get some more details from you. But wow, great question and unbelievable, unpredictable answer there. Thank you very much, Lupe. Um, Shells, the final person who sent in some questions. We got a couple of them for you, and then we'll be wrapping it up. Um, obviously, Lupe, you have such a, a presence and an influence. You've done so much. And obviously, so many people say Lupe has been my influence to get involved in poker advocacy, women for poker. Who was your biggest influence? Um, as far as women in poker, it would have to be Linda Johnson and Jan Fisher. Um, they have been incredibly supportive from the minute that we met. And I met them at Ocean's Eleven at the late California State Ladies Poker Championship way back when they were invited guests. And we just hit it off. And every time I picked up the phone to either ask, they've mentored me through this whole thing. They've, they've helped me uh, navigate through the poker industry. And whenever I would hit a roadblock, they were willing to pick up the phone and help us eliminate that roadblock. Amazing. So I would have to say that they... They don't have, I don't think the poker world realizes that they're not just advocates for women in poker. They are poker mega giants. Yeah. What if, if it wasn't for people like Linda Johnson and Mike Sexton, online poker would never have hit here. If it, you know, uh, people don't get it. 
<laughs> so for me to not only have them as dear friends and family to me, um, that I don't think we would even see the progress that we have so mm-hmm. far in all kinds of different aspects of poker and what the offerings are in the poker world. Amazing. And then again, I got to give that shout out episode 39. That's Linda. And hopefully I know she's just had a little bit of a procedure. Hopefully Jan will join us on a future episode as well. Great, great picks and, you know, just wonderful people, uh, you know, honored to be uh, their friend as well. Uh, final question from Shells Lupe. What do you consider, we say this one, best one for last. What do you consider to be the best piece of advice to give Hmm. We'll give you a time chip on this one. This is a deep. Yeah, one. that's a, it, that's that's a tough one, but um, I think when you know better, do better. Hmm. I like it. Well, simple, straight, and to the point. That uh, certainly answers the question and uh, resonates deeply for for all of us who need to hear something like that. Um, guys, thank you very much for sending in your questions for Lupe Soto. And of course, a uh, friendly reminder once again to everyone in the Cards Chat community, we'd love to see you submit your questions for our future podcast guests in the dedicated thread on the forums. Please be sure to give us a good review on iTunes and spread the word via your social media channels if you liked the show. Lupe, before we let you go, anything else you'd like to tell people watching and listening? I, I just, you know, if you want to learn anything about what we've talked about today, just visit our websites. And, you know, if you ever need to reach me for any kind of a question or whatever, you can reach me at Lupe at LupeSoto.com. Pretty easy. Pretty easy. It doesn't get easier than that. Lupe, thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, your time today. I really enjoyed speaking with you and certainly lived up to my hopes and expectations, and I'm sure everyone enjoyed it. Um, Guys, thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of the Cards Chat Podcast. I'm Robbie Straczynski. You can follow me on Twitter at CardPlayerLife. I wish you all a wonderful day. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community.